Top stories of the week. God builds the universe needs protecting from trans children. Also, Scott Morrison really starting to hate phones. And the spy who swiped right on me. This is News Weekly and I really need to start a religion. I'm Sammy Shah and welcome to News Weekly where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Thou shalt not try passing a bill to save thy election chances news now. The Lord might be moving in mysterious ways, but the Lord ain't got nothing on Prime Minister Scott Morrison who moves in confusing ways. Like Moses coming down from the hilltop, carrying a set of legislative recommendations that include legal stipulations vis-a-vis thy neighbour's wife and the statutory advice with regards to coveting her, Scott Morrison emerged, not so much from the top of a hill, but the bottom of a ditch filled with controversy, abusive text messages and poll results to present his path to salvation. After a week from hell, things are only getting worse for Scott Morrison. On Monday, his own cabinet turned on him. One senior minister telling me things erupted. All over a sneaky deal the PM hatched, trying to get his religious freedom bill through the parliament. In exchange, he'd allowed debate on his now dead promise to set up a federal corruption watchdog, knowing full well it would go nowhere. Much like the soldiers of Emperor Constantine painting crosses on their shields to protect themselves from the enemy, Scott Morrison painted proverbial crosshairs on trans children's foreheads and threw them at the enemy. The Religious Discrimination Bill seeks to provide protection to religious organisations who apparently don't feel protected enough by their tax exemptions and imaginary all-powerful deities who can apparently spin the cosmos and create all within the universe from the largest gas giant to the smallest molecule but really can't handle a transitioning 13-year-old. The problem was, if Scott Morrison thought this was the perfect way to make Labour look bad with religious communities that compromise large portions of Labour electorates, then he forgot to check how his own party members feel. Here's Liberal MP Trent Zimmerman. One of the things that's disturbed me most this week is the debate about transgender children. I cannot support a situation where we solve a problem for one community, but in fact enhance a problem for another. But the fact is, is that if we solve one problem and not another, by omission, we are sending a message to those people in the transgender community. And they are the most vulnerable people in our society. All the statistics show what they go through. It's an opportunity that I can't let go past. I could not live with myself if I didn't seek to address those issues. And here's Liberal MP Bridget Archer. What message are we sending? After so much progress over the past few years, how did we get back to a place where those of us who hold such privilege in this House can ignore the harm that we might place on children by telling them that they are other and less than in this country? And here's Liberal MP Dave Sharma. It's a contentious piece of legislation. People have strong views about it. All in all, five members of the Liberal Party made it clear they were going to cross the floor if the bill went ahead in its current version. Which, you know, is the exact opposite of what Scott Morrison was clearly hoping the bill would do. This is a bill that I earnestly hoped would unite this place. It's almost as though the guy who said he couldn't empathise with rape victims unless he thought about his own kids told women they should be grateful they weren't being shot at, went to Hawaii during some of the largest fires, then said, I don't hold a hose, told Grace Stame, 
quote, I bet it felt good to get that out right after she delivered her Australian of the Year speech about her experience with sexual assault and then said he'd never lied, which is a lie in itself. It's almost as if that guy might not be the best at reading the room. Labour MP Stephen Jones delivered a heartbreaking speech honouring his 15-year-old trans nephew who took his own life. Last week, my family said well to, farewell to my nephew, Ollie. He was just 15 when he took his own life. He was a beautiful, creative, courageous young man. He was gay, he was uncertain about his gender, and he struggled with his mental health. Clearly, the love and acceptance of his family and friends were not enough. It's no surprise then that Labour, of course, did push for amendments. Ditching the right to make hurtful, hateful or threatening statements on the basis of genuinely held beliefs and prohibiting discrimination in faith-based aged care facilities. By the way, every time you hear music in a news report, it's because that's one I've taken from The Project. It's like a show that has five presenters, celebrity cameos and comedy segments is why you won't pay attention to a major news story if it doesn't also come with a soundtrack. What's weird is that none of those amendments are to protect trans children from discrimination, the main point of contention in the bill. And it's weird only because we were all surprised by that, even though Labour has never wasted an opportunity to show its complete and utter lack of integrity and spine. Thankfully, independent MP Rebecca Sharkey was able to push through those amendments. So the House of Representatives sat until the very early hours of this morning and ultimately this religious discrimination bill did pass the lower house just after 4.30am but not without changes also made to the Sex Discrimination Act. So independent MP Rebecca Sharkey was really fighting for an amendment which would ultimately abolish the right of religious institutions to discriminate against any child regardless of their sexuality or their gender identity, meaning transgender children would have these protections and safeguards that they wouldn't have without this amendment. Eventually, though, the bill did pass the House of Representatives. And even though it is a watered-down version from its original version, it still empowers religious schools to fire a teacher for being unmarried and pregnant, for being queer or getting a divorce. School principals can give speeches about the dangerous influence of LGBTQI plus people. Students who question those beliefs can be punished for the questioning them. And doctors can refuse to treat trans patients if it goes against their religions. Also, a medical support or aged care worker can tell an HIV person that AIDS is a punishment from God. So, you know, lots of stuff to give a religious person a God-approved level of arousal. So was that enough then for the government? The government choosing to shelve the legislation rather than risk further embarrassment. That's right. The whole exercise was literally for nothing. And the main reason for shelving it is the largest backer of the bill, the Australian Christian lobby, thinks it's not worth it anymore if they can't persecute trans children. The Christian lobby, unhappy with the amendments, demanding it be abandoned altogether. I think it doesn't um, deserve fighting for, to be honest, because I think it's fatally flawed. You think a religion whose entire belief is predicated on the idea that someone who died and then came back wouldn't give up hope in something that was, quote, fatally flawed. Give it a few days, it might feel better. So what was all that for then, other than making trans people feel shitty? 
Perhaps it was just to give Slim Albu from the streets another chance to spit some of his sick rhymes. Prime Minister tried to wedge Labour and ended up wedging himself. Clearly there is no God. Who ruled the world? Men. Yes, but who points out how shit they are ruling the world? Women. News now. This week may have ended badly for Prime Minister Scott Morrison, but to be fair, it started pretty terribly too. Honestly, if he wasn't getting paid $549,250 a year, I'd almost start feeling sorry for him. On Tuesday ahead of the National Press Club event, the Prime Minister delivered a formal apology to Brittany Higgins and other survivors of sexual abuse and sexual harassment in Parliament. I am sorry. We are sorry. I'm sorry to Ms Higgins for the terrible things that took place here. And the place that should have been a place of safety and contribution turned out to be a nightmare. See, it's not hard to say I'm sorry. Although it's not fully clear whether the Prime Minister is sorry for the sexual assault that occurred over a year ago in his Defence Minister's office, or if he was sorry for taking several weeks to acknowledge it, or if he was sorry for repeatedly failing to give an accurate answer to when he knew about the rape, or if he was sorry for when his staff then backgrounded against Brittany Higgins' partner, or if he was sorry for one of his ministers calling Brittany Higgins a lying cow. What we do know is that he said he was sorry because he was told to? The apology is the first of 28 recommendations made by the Set the Standard report, handed down by the Sex Discrimination Commissioner, Kate Jenkins, late last year. The next day at the National Press Club, Brittany Higgins said she wasn't too impressed with the apology. And one year later, I don't care if the government has improved the way that they talk about these issues. I'm not interested in words anymore. I want to see action. That starts with the Prime Minister. I wanted him to wield the weight of his office and drive change in the party and our parliament and out into the country. I I didn't want his sympathy as a father. I wanted him to use his power as prime minister. I don't know about that. When he thinks as a prime minister, he says things like this, remember? Not far from here, such marches even now are being met with bullets. A situation where Scott Morrison does nothing is always better than one in which he does something. Or even when others do things on his behalf, as explained by Grace Team. Not five months after being named Australian of the Year, I received a threatening phone call from a senior member of a government-funded organisation asking for my word that I wouldn't say anything damning about the Prime Minister on the evening of the next Australian of the Year Awards. She claimed the unnamed official said the Prime Minister might fear what she had to say. And then I heard the words, you know, with an election coming soon. To be fair, they asked her not to say anything damning about the Prime Minister only on one specific day. Even they knew he would do too many damning things for anyone to keep silent all year round. The Prime Minister's office has denied any involvement in that phone call, demanding whoever made it should identify themselves, apologise and prepare for a promotion and a substantial raise. Sliding into your DMZ's news now. The world of online dating is hard enough. First, you have to choose the right profile pic. If you're a man, is it the picture of you shirtless and flexing with a fish or shirtless and flexing with your dog? 
If you're a woman, it really doesn't matter. Any picture will result in thousands of messages and dick pics. Then you have to think of something to say. If you're a man, it pays to read the profile, find something of interest, pick something you might perhaps have something in common with, then make a clever and thoughtful and witty comment around that. If you're a woman, just say hi. You really don't have to do much there either. Then there's the banter, followed by the first date. If you're a man, dress nicely. Be interested in her conversation. Don't make it all about you. Be kind. Be funny. Smell nice. Be sincere. If you're a woman, you just have to pray he isn't going to turn out to be a serial killer. That's where most of a woman's energy goes in the online dating area, not getting murdered by serial killers. Now, though, there's an added complexity to online dating. And as ASIO continues to hunt foreign spies, it's warning the world of online dating can contain honey traps. We're also seeing suspicious approaches on dating platforms such as Tinder, Bumble and Hinge. He didn't mention OkCupid because setting up an account on that is so goddamn hard and takes so long even spies can't get past it. So there are spies pretending to be hotties in your area interested in you. How do you protect yourself? Well, according to Liberal Senator James Patterson... If you're a six and they're a ten, uh, it might not be your looks that they've been charmed by, it might be your access to classified information. This isn't a problem for me, of course, given that I'm clearly a ten. But the rest of you? You better watch out. If it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. You know what? Let's just have arranged marriages like they do in India and Pakistan. No parents ever set up their kid with a spy. A spy can fool me because I'm horny and stupid, but no spy is fooling a brown mother. That's what ASIO needs. More brown mums. That's all for this week's edition of News Weekly. If you like the podcast, please head over to my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash newsweekly. Over there, you can find the text edition or the print edition of News Weekly, along with lots of other columns, essays, blog posts, recipes, and all kinds of other things. I'm going to be putting more content up there fairly regularly as well. So please check it out. That's patreon.com slash newsweekly. Also, while I have your attention, a purely selfish note, not that the Patreon thing isn't selfish, but I do have a comedy festival show coming up at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. That's going to be from uh, March 31st to April 24th. Uh, It's at the Chinese Theatre in Melbourne and, uh, sorry, the Chinese Museum here in Melbourne and tickets are available right now. Uh, It's the show is called Unappreciated and it's about my being in Australia for 10 years. It's a 10 year celebration of my being in Australia. Uh, It's a really funny show. I'm really proud of it. I hope you like it a lot. So please buy tickets. Tell your friends. Uh, If you're a member of my Patreon, I'm going to be making an announcement about free tickets for Patreon members. So if you are a subscribing member and a paying member, you don't need to buy your tickets right now. But uh, do tell your friends to buy theirs right away. Otherwise, I'll see you all right back here on News Weekly next week where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Weekly.